No. What's your least favorite scary movie? I'm every nightmare you've ever had. I'm your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the absurd in all of our favorite and least favorite scary movies. Because we believe every horror movie rightfully has its fan base. Even if we don't always get it. My name is Travis. My name is Jesse. And welcome back, everybody, because today we have a special episode for you all. We are talking about Stephen King's It, 1990 version the tv miniseries yes so all uh, three hours and 12 minutes of early 90s glory it's a big old movie big old tv show so you know we got a lot to cover here today so we're gonna speed through the opening stuff here real quick um announcements jesse no no announcements okay <laughs> well i've got our poll results from last week's episode okay uh we talked about infinity pool yeah we did so uh jesse came up with this neat little uh situation here so the question is you're arrested and sentenced to death would you rather double yourself to serve your punishment or would you rather go into the cube and the cube we are referencing is the cube from cube obviously yes. cube cube squared cube okay. zero if you're not familiar just check the series out. They're pretty interesting movies, but... Um, Do you not find it infuriating that the third cube is not called Cube Cubed? Uh, cube Cubed. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know what? That is a missed opportunity right there. Yeah. <laughs> or that could have been the sequel. Jump well, the sequel the... is Cube Squared, which makes sense because then you just put the two up there as the exponent. I feel like the two should be the cubed, though. I know it doesn't make sense numerically, but I... listen... But not important. It also doesn't make sense mathematically. No, it doesn't. None of it makes sense. That movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right. So on Instagram, 85% of the people would rather be doubled and 15 would rather be cubed. <laughs> on Twitter, 75 wants to be doubled, 25 cubed. And we got our Blueski vote. Ah, hey, Blueski. Blueski. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's a double, big old double. Okay. Uh, most people would rather just let another version of themselves suffer in their place. And I respect that. I would go the cube option, though, because I don't want to see myself suffer. And um, just give me a fucking puzzle, man. I will. I'm going to die no matter what. So it's it's over with no matter what. There's going to be a version of me dying. So give me the cube. Let me try. I'll have an opportunity at least. It it feels a bit like we created a trolley problem for ourselves almost. A little bit. Because uh, I, I agree with you. I would go with the cube, but more from my perspective of the level of involvement I want to have in my own punishment. I want to have choice. I want to go out with some dignity of some sort instead of hiding behind a double. Not that I'm like condemning the people that would want to hide behind a double i just more of like um it's a little bit of an anti-authoritarian approach i suppose because they're both corrupt police systems that we're dealing with here yeah uh unfair trials and whatnot and i think going into the cube at least got a fighting chance yeah you got a chance Yeah. yeah i agree all right cool well that's it for our poll so uh let's talk about it yeah yeah talk about what what? IT. Does this stand for anything? That's just it. Okay, I didn't know if that was like like stood for like 
interesting technology. <laughs> interestingly, Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so bad jokes away. It. Oh. Oh, the bad jokes aside, is yeah. that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? We're throwing them out. No what more. a change of pace for this show. No more bad jokes this episode, all right? We're steering <laughs> a nice little course here. All right. So this is an interesting one because this is our first TV series that we've ever covered on the show. So um, the way that this was, it premiered November 18th, 1990. That is episode one. Episode two premiered November 20th, 1990. Mm-hmm. At wide release on ABC, because that is the network that it premiered. We watched it on our DVD, yeah. because that's what we own. That's how we do it. Yeah. However, if you do want to stream this movie, you can watch it on Tubi. That is the only streaming service that currently has it. If you want to stream it through a service, or you can rent it through Amazon or Apple. All right. Written by Lawrence D. Cohen, who, if that sounds familiar, that's because he wrote another Stephen King movie. He did Carrie. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And joining him is Tommy Lee Wallace, who, if that sounds familiar, he wrote and directed Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, music by Richard Bellis, and special effects makeup Bart Mixon as the supervisor. And okay. he had a whole team underneath him. Cast for this. This is the first time that I have ran out of people to list. Sticky, I stick, stick, stacked cast. I had to write it on the back. So, uh, okay. So I've got this as adult and then their kid counterpart. Okay. So first off, we have Richard Thomas, who plays Bill Donbro. Donbro? Denbro. Denbro. I my e looks like a no here bill dimbro welcome to my world yeah (laughs) (laughs) so he plays the adult version of ben or bill Bill. god to me bees all right he plays the adult bill and then we have jonathan brandis who plays kid bill okay harry anderson plays adult richie seth green plays kid richie yeah dennis christopher plays adult eddie adam frazel plays kid eddie Annette O'Toole is adult Beverly, and Emily Perkins is kid Beverly. Tim Reed as adult Mike. Marlon Taylor as kid Mike. John Ritter plays adult Ben. Brandon Crane plays kid Ben. Richard Masseur plays adult Stanley. Ben Heller plays kid Stanley. Olivia Hussey plays Audra. And Tim Curry plays Pennywise. And there are so many more names that I could have included, but that was enough. I'm on the back of my page. I don't need to keep going. This cast is so stacked, it could be a special at Denny's. Yeah, that is true. There's actually a quote from Tommy Lee Wallace about working with the stacked cast because he says, uh, let me pull it up here because I think it is interesting. It was on the Wikipedia page here. It's like right away. Also, I need everybody to know that multiple times throughout the weekend, we watched movies starring John Ritter, and every single time I made Travis pour one out for him because I love and miss that man. Rest in peace. Okay, here's the quote. Uh, I was at first a bit intimidated by all by my all-star cast, but my fears were unfounded. They all turned out to be generous and supportive team players. The child actors were much more of a challenge. 
I'm especially <laughs> proud of the adult-child pairings, as I think we made really astute choices and got really lucky, making it believable that the that that group of seven kids grew up to be that group of seven adults, which is not an easy feat. Okay. Tommy Lee Wallace, 2015. <laughs> okay. Time for us to play our favorite game on this show. Budget or Butted. What do you got, Jesse? What do you think? Well, on the one hand, stacks on stacks on stacks. On stacks. On the other hand, made for TV. Yes. So I'm going with Bugted. Bugted. Well, Jesse, you'd be surprised. This is Bonafide Budget. Oh, shit. This is a $12 million movie. Wow. Oh, and that's yeah. twelve million in nineteen ninety money. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, I mean, look at the cast, and that's honestly, true. that's true. Stephen King was pretty popular this time of year, this time in his life, and uh, I don't imagine his stuff came cheap. If you wanted to make stuff of it, uh, that's another discussion for another day. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's literally got his one dollar collection. But I know it's... that. <laughs> I guarantee it. It's not on that though. <laughs> It is going to be high dollar. If you want that, you have to pay. Uh, so we don't have box office numbers since it's a TV show, but I do have the amount of viewers that it had whenever it released. Okay, that's fun. That's a fun new metric we've never had before. Yeah, getting new territory here. We got new things to explore. So this thing grossed 30 million viewers. Okay, okay. Whenever it premiered. So that's pretty insane when you think about it. That would have translated to a lot of money. Yeah, I just want to say you can just, you know, use pronouns when referring to the movie. You don't have to constantly refer <laughs> to the movie by its title. Jesse, I thought we said bad jokes <laughs> are gone. We're not doing them. I didn't agree. <laughs> okay, that's true. You didn't. Uh, IMDb, 6.8 out of 10. That seems fair. You know what? From and This is also in a world post the... 2020 era remakes of Which, the movies. It was like 2018 and 2020? No, it didn't what come out COVID year. Out? It was the following year. I think it was 2019. Really? It felt like such a long gap, but that's mostly because Finn Wolfhard grew a foot yeah, in between filming part all, one and part two. All of them did. <laughs> yeah, they fucked themselves hard with that. <laughs> uh, okay, so... I've got three movies here that have a very easy theme for me to pull from because, as Clowns? I said, Stephen King was a very oh, popular boy, and he had three movies released that weren't it alongside it in 1990. So the first movie that they have here is Grave, or that we have here, excuse me, <laughs> is Graveyard Shift, which okay. that released October 26, 1990. Budget. 10.5 million and a worldwide gross of 11.6. IMDb 4.9. Wow. So, okay. I'm not even familiar with that. We oh. own it though. We have it in our like uh, pack of Stephen King movies in there. Is that the one with David Arquette? I don't know. Is David Arquette in a Stephen King movie? Yeah. Oh, I've got it right here. Hold on. Let me pull it up. No, but Brad Dourif's in it. No, David Arquette for sure is in one. Yeah, go ahead. Keep reading. I'm going to find the David Arquette movie. Next up, Misery. Hell yeah. We've mm. recently, or not recently, previously covered yeah. this. I'm bad with words today. It's okay. What a shame for, <laughs> you know, a podcast. I know. It's not not ideal. So uh, Misery released 
November 30th, 1990, so same month as it, and uh, had a budget of $20 million, yeah, worldwide gross of $61.3 million, and an IMDb score of 7.8. Big, yeah. big score. That's a big movie. People love that movie. Uh, hell yeah, they do. I'm honestly kind of shocked to see it have a higher score than it, though. It is widely considered one of the best Stephen King adaptations of all time. It's a great movie. I love it. But I just, people, you hear people talk about it more often, so you would imagine that it would be higher. But I guess not. And the final movie, this one's kind of interesting because it's a TV series adapted to a movie. <laughs> it's Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Okay. That's released May 4th, 1990, with a budget of $3.5 million, worldwide gross of $16.3 million, and an IMDb score of 6.2. Okay. Did you find David Arquette? I'm still looking. Okay. I'm starting to think maybe I made this up well, at some point. I'm going to just pause while you do that. Update. David Arquette was in Stephen King's Writing the Bullet, which I, we also own. So Do we? Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of that movie. <laughs> we own it and I've never heard of it. <laughs> That's saying something. Well, it's also saying something that there's approximately 300 Stephen King properties and about half of them have been adapted for the screen, so. Yeah, and most of them in 1990, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I've got three taglines for this, and you're going to hate them. (laughs) Oh my god, are they all like critic reviews? They're all basically like Stephen King going to make you pee yourself. He's a master of pee-pee beds. Master of pee-pee beds. That's our tagline. (laughs) Master of PP beds. Master of PP beds. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the actual ones here. So the one that's on the poster is um, the master of horror unleashes everything you were ever afraid of. Okay. Which, yeah, not too bad. Uh, this one's a better way to, to say that exact same thing. You're every fear all in one deadly enemy. Yeah. That's d- explaining it's- the movie without... Being like, hey, here's a review of the writer. Like, which which is a whole thing. Don't get me wrong. I just like, I want a tagline to be (laughs) not a review. I want it to be your elevator pitch. You know what I mean? From the man who took away Michael Myers. Tommy Lee Wallace. (laughs) I was like, what does Stephen King have against Michael Myers? And then I realized that you're talking about Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah, because it's his movie too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I got really excited when I saw his name. I saw saw your eyes light up. (laughs) I didn't realize he did this, honestly, until I started doing research. I was like, motherfucker, you did this too. Wow. You redeemed yourself. You went from (laughs) Halloween 3 and then you went and did it and everybody loved you. And I don't know what else you did. (laughs) I'm so sorry, but you seem like a cool guy. And final tagline, from the King of Terror, a chilling new dimension in horror. Again, it's just so vague. Yeah. I imagine that this is shit that they were like reading in like their teasers on ABC whenever like they would show a trailer for it. Yeah, it just feels like they're pulled from, you know how press and media get early access for reviews specifically? It feels like lines being pulled from that or from the back of the novel It by Stephen King. You think Stephen King wrote these? No, I'm saying like people that reviewed it. No, I'm asking. They, they do the same thing on books. Oh, I know. I'm, this is me just asking a stupid question. Okay, you're the one that said no stupid jokes. I said so... no stupid jokes. No stupid questions are still on the line. Really? That was a legitimate question and not like a joke question? This is a half and a half. 
<laughs> okay, I got fun give me, facts. Yeah, give me some fun facts. Let's move on. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, so there's like way too much to talk about in a single episode for us on the show. So I tried to pull what I thought was the most interesting bits of information that's relevant. This was an ambitious undertaking. It is. Yeah. And let's see how we do. So far, I think we're doing okay. <laughs> uh, so it began production after the success of Pet Cemetery in 1989. In fact, that's what caused this big boom of Stephen King movies because it did so well. Everybody was out to make one. Interesting. I'm not a huge fan of Pet Cemetery. I'm. I, I like the original way more than the remake. I think it's like it's okay, but as an adaptation of the book, I think it's also just like that level of grief. Uh, yeah, is really hard to capture on screen when you're also like. I don't know. It feels like the movie Pet Cemetery was more focused on like, ooh, zombie child versus <laughs> yeah. like, you know, a, not to be pretentious, but like a meditation on parenthood and grief. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and Wendigos. <laughs> and Wendigos. <laughs> like the book is an absolute gut punch. So it just, it doesn't live up to it for me. I'm not trying to brag as somebody that just doesn't read like you fucking nerds you guys read books but uh with stephen king stuff it probably does help to not have read most of his stuff that way i can just go in and just accept the movie for what it is because i i thought pet cemetery was pretty sweet it's got that boy from new nightmare yeah the kid actor yeah the kid that's like way too old like because he goes not there <laughs> is he the kid that gets ran over yeah yeah okay <laughs> little wendigo. <laughs> uh, ABC acquired the rights to the miniseries of it and greenlit it to be an 8 to 10 hour series. Oh! It was originally planned to run oh over God. four two hour blocks. Oh my God, can you imagine? I know, it would have. Uh, talk about ambitious undertaking right there. Uh, that would have been crazy. You it would think be that been so good? amazing. So one of the things, I haven't read the novel in a long time. Um it, you know, I would reread it, but what up, Zach? A friend borrowed it and oh, yeah. moved out of the state. All the way down to Texas. Uh, <laughs> Texas. So, you know, there's that. I'm just kidding. Pay it forward. Borrow it to Fuck give it away you, to somebody Zach. else. Uh, <laughs> but it, like, and this is something that the newer remake did a little bit more of, which is kind of demonstrating how the whole town is a little bit corrupted by the evil. They give a little bit of lip service to it in this in this one, you know, where she talks about like, yeah. Mr. Ross and like the whole town is infected in some way. All right, cool. We can check that off the list. I think it's funny uh, that they just say that, but that, I guess it's like, oh, and an old man like witnessed something horrible and that's fucking every town. That's <laughs> yeah. not going to be just like dairy. Oh, whoa. He just turned a blind eye to like a woman being cornered by men. That happens everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, so it it really does the thought of having an eight to ten hour like yeah s uh, limited series it sounds amazing. It would be really great to explore dairy. Well, that's interesting because George Romero thought the same thing because he was originally going to direct this movie. Mm. Yeah, so he um he was super excited. He got like deep into the project. He went as far as working with effects guys already. He had already done storyboards, but 
scheduling conflict came up, he had to work on the Night of the Living Dead remake in 1990, which directed by Tom Savini. So you can thank Tom Savini for him not being part of the It movie. Um, so yeah, it forced him to leave. And then as he did that, ABC shortened the series then to four hours. This upset George Romero being let go because it reminded him of him being let go from Pet Cemetery. also. Oh, no. Yeah. Which, yeah, fucking sucks. And that's zombies. And he's like, that's my territory. I can fucking do that. So, um, yeah, could have had him do a couple of Stephen King things, apparently. Oh. Okay, so after that happened, it then got dropped to a three-part series. And then after that, once Tommy Lee Wallace signed on, they didn't. They then dropped it to a two-part series. They're like, my man's out here putting out Halloween 3. Yeah, you're going to do two. We don't trust giving you like four hours. What are you going to do with that extra hour, Tommy? What are you going to do? Take Pennywise away? <laughs> but you would. Um, so yeah, he like read the, um, like the first part of Cohen's script and he got into it. So he's like, yeah, sure. I'll direct that. Okay. Um, and he initially avoided reading the book because he wanted to get an objective view on Cohen's draft, but he started noticing that there were issues in the script. Uh-oh. So he offered Cohen to do a rewrite on it. Nerd alert. <laughs> yeah. um, Cohen couldn't do a rewrite because it wouldn't fit in his schedule. So this forced Tommy Lee Wallace to read the book and start using it to like, just like as a guide while doing the rewrites. Okay. Which... Got a quote from him. As Wallace says, one of the things I believe I contributed in my rewrite was just packing in as much of what was memorable about the book. He added the flashback structuring from the book into the script and made sure the screenplay for the second part maintained some of the rhythm of the first. Uh, and can we, I would like to personally propose a toast to not adding the train run on Beverly in the sewer. Funny Thank you, you Tommy Lee that. Wallace. <laughs> So I got something about that. Um, Annette O'Toole. Okay. She has a quote about that. Okay. Um, She was actually upset that it wasn't in there. Oh, okay. But Annette O'Toole wouldn't have been the one who would have had to act it. First of all, second of You know what? Mm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've got mm. a quote from her here. Okay. 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 Let, me hear, let me hear her side of it before. O'Toole has admitted to disliking the removal of the loser's orgy scene. She says... This was their greatest attachment to one another. She thought they were all going to die, and this was a gift she was given to each one of them. And I thought it was the most beautiful, generous, love-filled gift, and it tied them all together in such an amazing way. No. What the is, fuck? No, okay, listen. That is literally Bev's mentality in the book because she was psychologically sexually and physically abused by her father and then later on her live-in boyfriend Mm. that's not like it it thinking that the only thing she had to offer was her body and yeah granted it was more than that because it was meant to like symbolize their like spiritual connection to one another and how it runs deeper and blah 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 but still like they were 13 years old they went over one at a time they all lost their virginity to her and ben was the only one that came what yeah. They actually got this- that detailed? Yes. With <laughs> oh my God. Look, man, like, there's no way that you can defend it. Like, the fact that a grown man wrote a child orgy scene into a book is really disturbing. And 
just I there's no defending it. Just <laughs> it doesn't need to exist. There are better ways to tell that. The problem is that like they try to build it up as it's this way that they built this connection and the way Annette explains it, you know, that it was Bev giving a gift of herself, which it it's coming from a place that's literally not acknowledging the psychology of what sex can mean between people and sex can be as meaningless or as meaningful as you want it to be but like that's such an oversimplification of it and it's really kind of trying to hand wash away the whole thing and once again i must point out that annette atul doesn't have a stake in it because she wouldn't have been the one acting it out i mean this is also for tv like how the fuck can you do that on abc yeah like no that's not gonna fly (laughs) oh Um, man i could Oh, I'm fired up about that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's I, okay. Mm-hmm. So let's go into the whole made-for-TV process okay. here. So because that this was a TV series, it had to follow broadcast standardized practices, which this meant they were forced to limit the amount of violence, blood, and gore displayed in the movie. So since blood couldn't come from any orifices, they worked around it by having it come out of physical objects. So that's why the balloon burst into blood, which I don't know if that happened in the books or not. Um, why, um, like, Georgie's book was also leaking blood. Like, that was just their way around it. You could do blood. It just can't come out of people. Well, and you know what? I kind of like that, too, because in addition to, ooh, spooky blood, it's also, like, defying physics. Yeah, exactly. And it's playing into, like, a child's, like, overactive imagination on the things they're afraid of. And boom, there you go. Exactly. It still fits the theme of the story really well. Yeah. Um, another thing that they had to overcome was Ben's dad's skeleton. Um, so they were very anti-scaly meat, as Mixon phrased it. So, uh, instead, they went with seaweed. Yeah, because that's also disturbing. Uh, Mixon says, they didn't want gore. Uh, they just were okay with rot and decayness. Uh, I for real thought that was jerky on my man's skelly. No. I thought that's what that was. Seaweed. I really wish... I really wish that we had a credit for skeleton like we do in the original House on Haunted Hill. <sighs> yeah, skeleton deserves more credit as others. Yeah. Skeleton is like the biggest Skeleton's uncredited a, yeah. actor out there. Doesn't get the respect. Not no respect. Gets it here though on yeah. this show. We love you, Skelly. Okay, that's all that I got. I mean, there's so much more out there, but um, that's really that all. I could get on this show because we're already almost half an hour in and we haven't even started talking about this movie. Sorry, and one more thought on the whole Bev thing. It kind of pisses me off that like she's the only girl in the group and it has to be her body and her sex with her only that like ties the group together. I'm sorry. It's just like... I mean, especially because there's the whole like um, Richie Eddie subtext. I didn't get the Richie part in this one. I got it more in the sequel. Or not the sequel, the remake. But, like, I definitely got Eddie in this for sure. Well, like, they do as... They say it as much as they can for 1990 ABC television. Um, where is that they say in the book, by the way? The is, subtext is there, yeah. Like, actually, like, Richie and Eddie are a thing? No, it's never, like, straight up. They well, were, like, in love, though. They as, were. As far as I remember, I don't think... It was ever directly said out loud, but it's there. The queer reading is there for it. Okay. And, you know, at the end of this one, it says it should surprise nobody that he consistently works with somebody who looks and acts a lot like Eddie. Like, that 
reading is there a little bit. I'm just really glad that the remake was able to take subtext and make it text. Oh, I didn't. I guess they didn't really do that part justice here because I the guy he was working with did not look like Eddie. No, they didn't. <laughs> he looks like the guy like, from Borat. If Bill says it, then we'll have to believe it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so. We got all that out of the way. So it's time for us to go into the good, bad, ugly, and absurd. Okay. So you kick it off this week, Jesse. What do you like about this? Uh, well, Tim Curry, first of all. Mm-hmm. I will never be mad about watching anything with Tim Curry in it. And I think he does a really good job with this because he can be really creepy and intimidating while also doing like the dumb jokes and making it like, like he's a clown, but also he'll eat your soul. You know yeah. what I mean? Like where he's doing, do you have Prince Albert in a can? Why you better let him out? And it's got like Richie in a full panic and you can believe it. And it feels like a clown bit, but it's still a scary clown bit for some reason, even though it's like a completely canned bit. The funniest part is when he is kissing Ben and he's like, kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> like it's just so funny. I actually laugh at that part. <laughs> Yeah, and so he's really great. I do like the way they did the the structuring of telling the story because it's fuck like an eight hundred page book. I think it's over eleven hundred pages is what I saw on the Wikipedia. Entry. I guess it also depends on which version you read and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's a long book, and I think to make it fit in the time they did, they did a really good job structuring it, like how we're calling people back into Dairy, and they're each having their moment where they're like remembering it, and then it also like ties into them not having much of a memory until they get to Dairy. I think it ties all of those pieces in really well for the time constraint they had to work with and the fact that they're working with like a made for tv production so they had different standards they had to work for it's not just trying to get an r rating it's like how are we going to be allowed on prime time you know yeah so i think they did a really good job with that and all of the acting is phenomenal it is it's all superb and like i said it's a stacked cast we've got tim curry we've got olivia hussey we've got Tim Reed. We've Olivia got John Hussey Ritter. in a minor role. I know. Like, that's fucking insane. She's she's like a fucking good catch yeah. right there. Like, it is... We got a young Seth Green. He doesn't even sound like Seth Green yet. He doesn't. <laughs> that was the thing that drove me crazy. I was like, you don't sound like that. What happened to you? The puberty went in reverse with you. It was weird. That's the tallest that man ever got. <laughs> yeah, he shrunk. Seriously. And his voice got more higher pitched. Like, it's weird. I don't understand it. Uh, yeah, so it's just, it's, I had, like, and I still remember the first time watching this, rented it from Blockbuster, and I'm watching it downstairs in the dark alone, and I get to the end of part one, and then, like, we had to go somewhere, it was like, all right, time to go, and I was like, no, I need, I, but, it's scary, (laughs) beat the clown, um, (laughs) the thing about part one is it ends so abruptly that it scares me still to this day, like, oh shit, Stan kills himself, oh my god, now we're getting creepy music on the menu, like, what the fuck? Like, I can so remember, and I think that's what's really special about a movie like this is everybody can tell you where they were the first time they saw it. Oh yeah, I remember my first time watching it too. Yeah, and I just think they did so much with it, and I always said that it's a movie that I feel like would benefit from the advances in technology in terms of effects and CGI and practical effects too. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. No, I love practical effects, but I think there's some stuff that technology and CGI can do for them too. Um, 
But if this had been the only version of this we ever got, I would be perfectly content too. And I think it's still absolutely more than has earned its place in staying power. For sure. Right. Go, go ahead. Okay. I'm trying um, I'm trying not to go on too long because we've got a lot to cover with <laughs> this movie. No, you're good. Yeah, um so I a lot of the things that you said are a lot of things that I had written down here. Um another thing so like okay. I remember at the end of the last episode you had mentioned that I said that I didn't like this movie. I could swear. I so I think that. I thought about it and I think I remembered exactly what it was because we had tried watching it one time with our friends like a while back. And we were kind of like laughing at it, and I think that that really influenced my um, my like, perception of it at the time because like we were just like drinking and having fun, weren't really taking it seriously. And I feel like we had recently watched the remake, so like things were just kind of coming across as dated and cheesy for me at the time. But um, sitting down and actually watching it this past weekend, it was a different experience. I had a lot more respect for it. I um, I appreciated what it was doing a lot more. Um, I think it also helped having the, like it, the atmosphere in the movie is great, and I feel like we had like a nice overcast day that day, so like it kind of oh gave like that good creepy atmosphere in our house and with our own lamp. Like it just made everything come together nice. So like it it had this nice creepy feeling to it. There is a thing that I feel like this movie does well and this is somebody that hasn't read the book but i hear a lot of criticisms that people have had about the other things before and so one of the things that i liked about this one is i feel like this one does a good job with having both the adults and the kids yeah i do feel like it works better with them intertwined the way that they did in this because in the remake they i'm sorry it's hard not to compare with the remake but that was the most recent like watch of it that i had and also the problem with that is because it was a movie and not a show they weren't filmed back to back the kid like but you can do stranger things ran into the same problem oh oh, with one of the same actors as a matter of fact yeah exactly (laughs) well i mean that's the thing though you can do back-to-back films people do that all the time sleepaway game well they didn't even have the adults cast when they did chapter one though that's a big mistake on their part i agree themselves hard because having the adults and the kids and just like have that throughout the movie instead of like having one be the kid movie and one be the adult movie, it definitely benefits it. Um, and I felt like I was actually able to like understand some of the things better in this one. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I never really realized that the whole thing about them, like if you leave Derry, you pretty much become successful. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Um, you can have kids. What a metaphor for like small towns. Yeah, it was weird, but like, I was like, oh shit, you not know, like I never you, really got that before. Not that you can't be successful in a small town, but just that you know, like I think it, it helps to be open to more in the world. You said in the beginning of this that the remake drove home the way that that town was cursed more, but this one I feel like it did it better for me because, like, I mean, they just like outright said it. Which, to me, like, I sometimes am dumb, so you need to actually say things for me to get. Um, But, yeah, if I had watched this and they hadn't outright said it, I don't think I would have gotten that. But, um, yeah, like, I echo everything else that you say. Pennywise, it's fucking great. Uh, He's iconic. He's creepy. I love the design of that clown. I think the music in this is really creepy, too. 
especially the menu music, which also scared Talia to death. Oh my God. We will talk more about Talia at the end, but this scared the shit out of her. Yeah. It's just all effective to like make it like a nice, creepy experience. And I think one of the things is that they just let him look like a clown. You know what I mean? I feel like sometimes clowns are like, we're going to make him look like a creepy clown. But so much of it, like, yeah, he looks like a normal clown. Sometimes there's a little bit of like uncanniness to it. Um, They'll do like the little changes, like add in the fangs and stuff like that. But a lot of it's just in the behavior. And I read something whenever I was like looking at this stuff before that uh, Tim Curry was kind of hesitant to play the role because he didn't want to go through those long makeup processes. So they like agreed to just give him very minimal, just be a normal clown. That's it. And then he was on board with that. You were also talking about the man who came up with his own makeup for Rocky Horror. Yeah, I mean, back like, <laughs> then in this game, that was the 70s, you know, in the no, 90s. No, but he specifically did something simple for that. Like, oh, is that why like, he did that? Yeah, he's uh, like, I want something simple, quick, easy to recreate, won't take a ton of time in the chair. There we go. That's exactly that what he That man knows what he wants. <laughs> Good for him. And honestly, in both of those movies, it works out for the best. Because yeah. they're very iconic characters. Well, and honestly, Tim Curry don't need the makeup. No. He, he, can, he can carry that shit. Yeah, he can be creepy. He can curry that shit. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about some bad for this movie. Uh, honestly, I think just... And this is coming as the perspective of a book reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a fantastic adaptation. But like I said, when you're working with a, a like, epic, and I mean that in the, like, sense of, like, a very long, majestic story, like, it's... A lot going on. It's hard to fit that into a three-hour narrative. Yeah. And they did the best they could, and they chose to focus it on the seven, which makes the most sense, um, especially because, you know, that, that was a big part of the book is that there's seven of them. There's a lot of numerology involved. There's a whole thing. Right. And I... Some of it does get a little bit lost when you narrow that focus. Again, I understand why it was necessary. I It just... Like I said, it would have been nice to see some more of that dairy world building. I could see that. Speaking as somebody who hasn't read the book, I have heard many things of a turtle. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, I I don't, I'm, I'm sure I, it plays a very important role I in the book. Didn't However, I I wanted that part of it. I no, said I wanted more of dairy. I'm speaking just as my <laughs> own thing here. No, I, I, I agree. Like world building like dairy would have been cool. I, I do feel like the second movie does a good job of that or not the second, the remake does a great job of that. But um, yeah, I think that some of that stuff is okay being left out. I think what we got is a very cohesive story. I think it's, ties them together well i don't think i think that they they must have done a good job cutting that stuff out because i didn't feel lost yeah Uh, and i think it probably helps a little bit that tommy lee wallace started it from a place of i'm gonna read the script and then he kind of filled in the gaps by reading the book rather than the other way around which normally people would be so pissed if you didn't read the source (laughs) material but it kind of worked out i think a lot of people that have read the source material are like no, you left the right parts out. <laughs> okay. Um, like in the, it's so convoluted how they defeat it in the book, which it's one of those things. Sure, it's fun to read about because it's a whole like fantasy land uh-huh. in a way. Really, really hard to capture on film, as I think we saw attempting to do the ritual of Chud, or whatever the fuck it's called. Chud. 
in the remake. Uh-huh. Um, I thought you were talking about Chud. No, it's pronounced a certain way. I don't... Yeah, I don't it's, not it's, important. It's a whole fucking thing. Um, I, I like that it's simplified. But, yeah, I, I do think we missed out on some of the larger world building, though. Um, okay. Is that all for your bad? Yeah. All right. So I got a couple of things here. Okay. So first off, um, I always find it super distracting that Stephen King inserts himself in every fucking thing that he does. Bill is so obviously Stephen King, a fucking horror movie writer or a horror book writer or whatever that is working on a movie. It's not even that. It's the way adult Bill is styled, too. And it's like... It's so obvious. It's almost like he's like, and I have a super hot wife, Olivia Hussey, and I write horror movies, and I'm super successful. Like It's just like, it's so distracting. It kind of takes me out of it every single time. Like, that's, that's Stephen King right there. He's definitely writing himself right here. It just always takes me out of it. Especially, I feel like this is the worst defender of them all, though. I'm not mad about it. That's fine, but that's a negative for me. That's it's just one of my he, things. I think it helps him to be a better writer if he can insert himself in the story that way. Bill is not the most interesting character in this movie. Oh, I, <laughs> I agree. I'm just saying, I think it helps him put himself in the story a little bit better if he's got a character he can okay. relate to. Um, all right, my second thing, Henry Bowers is kind of a non-factor in the second part of this movie. I completely... I had him blown up so much in my mind, and then we get to his part in part two, and I was like, oh, that was over real fast. <laughs> they like they basically just swat him away, like, ah, and he's like, ah, all right, so Henry's dead. <laughs> I guess, well, <laughs> he got hair white, and he got saved by a Pennywise dog, so I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, why don't they simply attack it when he's not in the sewer? Why do they never just pounce on him whenever he is, you know, there out in the open or like antagonizing them when they're all together? I think it's that fear of not because they've all seen what it can turn into. Um, So I think there's that fear of it. And it's also just a little bit, you know, the whole thing about a childhood fear, childhood nightmare. Like it is really hard to jump head first into something that is a great unknown and this is not even just the metaphorical like you know jumping head first into the unknown they're small children they literally don't know what his full capabilities are i'm speaking of them as an adult also because it happens many times whenever they're at the motel they like pennywise is just like fucking with all of them like they could have just easily just fucking ganged up on him. Like, hey, he's here. And then they just start beating the shit out of him. To be fair, that is what they end up doing. In the sewer, not in the actual motel. Like, but they're all like, ah. The thing is, Pennywise isn't, like, its true form. It's just the form it uses most easily to move around Derry. But he could, like, it's still him. He's not, like, portraying, like, he's not, like, doing, like, an image of himself kind from of, within the a sewer. A little bit. But, like, he's still, like,. He can still feel, obviously. Like he's still like physical. Yeah, it's just you know that wouldn't have killed him all the way. Well, it would have helped instead of you know that's just a thing. I'm offering an explanation. I know. I'm just offering a bet. (laughs) There's got to be something bad about this thing. (laughs) All right, absurd. Ugly. No, no, ugly. I'm sorry, ugly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like. 
how racism and homophobia oh, yeah. are, and fat phobia and slut shaming and you know uh, uh, ableism all all of the things that the losers represent and even having to say like that the losers are representing them feels a little bit ugly <laughs> yeah. uh there there's and i think that's an important piece that we've got these quote unquote outcasts and they're all coming together and they've all faced like uh widely normalized uh social like outcasting i'm reusing that word but um you know, and the fact that they're all stronger together for it, but it also it just it's like literal othering. So it's I, I mean, it's just it's just an ugly fact of our society. Yeah, um, I agree with all that. And I also think like in particular, like other than like cause the racism is racism is one of the worst things. Yeah, like, I, Mike's character. How gets, do we get how are we not allowed to have blood coming out of orifices, but we're allowed to have a hard R? Dude. What the fuck, ABC? America. This is just America. Jesus. Can't say gay, but go ahead and say one of, like... Yeah. I won't... I'm not going to say it. Yeah, uh, no. 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 But this is a hate speech. Yeah, you're right. This is, it's really jarring to, like, just hear it out right there. I don't know. That's kind of not cool that they allowed that to be on <laughs> TV. But whatever. Um, I think also um, Eddie's mom is really really fucking oh shitty in this like the fact that she lied about him having i mean that's a full of munchausen's by proxy right like yeah it's it's just so fucked up like you make him think that you're like he's got something wrong with his lungs but it's just like an inhaler full of water like it's just it's so fucked up that's like yeah so that those are the uglies of this movie i guess yeah well especially because like i use an inhaler like and it's Oh, well, I use multiple inhalers because I have actual like asthma that's been tested multiple times, mm -hmm. gets tested regularly to see how my medication levels are doing, all of that. Yeah. And there's certain things that you can breathe through and there's certain things that you need actual medication to get your lungs to stop being stupid. And it's clear with Eddie that like the medication helps him, but in part because it's forcing him to take deep breaths so maybe if his mother actually like helped nurture you know the self-reliant parts of himself he could be a more well-adjusted adult yeah but she's just super selfish instead oh, and just man. has to have eddie for her entire life he won't oh. he's not allowed to be an adult it's so fucking crazy She's clearly got some of her own stuff going on. But oh, yeah. It, it doesn't excuse her ruin in his life. No, not at all. It's fucked up, man. Eddie, and then he dies. Like Eddie just gets Ugh. the worst of it in this movie. And he gets called Spaghetti Man. Yeah, Spaghetti Eddie. Uh, okay. Absurd. Um, I mean, so much of it, because like it's literally <laughs> like things like voices in the sewer and drain pipes being pushed wide open yeah, and I love that, man. yeah like it and it's absurd in a great way like and it it's played so perfectly straight um like as straight as you can play a clown um by tim curry like he does such a good job with it and it's just it, it's all absurd nightmare 
slash clown stuff, but it's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, I wrote down a few things. Okay. So, I think it's so fucking absurd that everybody in this friend group became super successful. That's not realistic. That's so weird. Like, I get it. I guess, like, oh, you leave dairy. You're not cursed anymore. You're going to be success. But <laughs> it's just so fucking ridiculous that everybody became this huge, like, famous people, big horror author, big comedian, big architect, big cab driver service guy. Um, well, some of that's just, like, businessmen, you know. But it's like- absurdly successful, like, when if you take this sample of kids and find out how these people actually turn out as adults, it's not going to be that stacked in their favor. There's might be one person that is super successful while the rest of them are not. Part of that is the suspension of disbelief you have to have when reading a book because your main characters need to be interesting. Something has to hinge upon their abilities. I think it's interesting that they have a shit life and they're like, oh, fuck, now I got to go deal with this shit. <laughs> that sounds way better to me. Like, oh, so I'm over here doing my next movie. Oh, what? It's back. Oh, fuck. All right. I'm going back to dairy. I kind of like not being stressed for them not being able to pay their bills. Because normally when something like that happens in a movie and it's somebody that's like struggling, working a shitty job, and it's like, oh, cool. Now I have to take unpaid time, buy a plane ticket I can't afford, a hotel stay I can't you know, afford. I'm stressed for those people. It's mm-mm. nice not to be stressed for them. I, I disagree. The worst that's going to happen is they might die. I think it's better to have people that you relate to i don't relate to these people i relate in the wrong ways when that happens though well i mean i just find it way more believable and these they're just like oh whatever okay you're a fucking rich architect whatever man go fight a clown i guess i don't give a shit (laughs) um i think that it's also ridiculous that a group of kids making a promise, and then as adults, they all stick true to their promise that they made as children. That's not going to happen. Stan doesn't. Richie almost doesn't. Stan doesn't, but like he has like his whole other reason. He could have just said nah and just like stayed alive, but he didn't. Um, And then the final battle. The whole... Just beat up a spider? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and the spider like they run up to the spider and like cow tip it and then just start punching its tummy and the spider doesn't you know doesn't even do like the cat like kicking you with it's like <laughs> you know chest like that right there like it just like ah well bev had already hit it with the silver so it was injured well it was, and it was very getting close to the end of its hunting season for too. for a giant spider it's just very <laughs> underwhelming honestly and i'm terrified of spiders but that spider nah, not so much okay that's it for all of that so let's give it our ratings so what do you want to rate this thing uh eight out of ten eight out of ten okay i think honestly i'm right there with you i think that this is like a solid eight all right it's pretty fucking good so we're starting off with an average of eight eight all, all right. right are we ready to go through it let's do it and we might go through a little 
bit quicker paced than normal just because there's a lot of ground to cover. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. We're not trying to rush through. Just don't want to take up three hours of your all's day. Yeah, okay. All right. So we start off seeing a little girl being called in by her mother. And as she starts to come in, she sees Pennywise in the clothesline. Oof. And then when the mom <laughs> comes out to check on her, we just see the tricycle tipped over and the mom starts screaming. This scared the shit out of me as a kid whenever I watched it. It's such a good cold open. It is. And <laughs> the little laugh that he gives there is like, go ahead. <laughs> but it scares you and it's so weird and i don't know it's it's weird it does a good job of like putting you in that space though and then mike comes up to ask one of the detectives about some of the details because he's concerned because there's been like what six missing kids um some are dead some are confirmed dead and the chief is like you need to get out of here and he's like no i'm just concerned he's like there's nothing to be concerned about this it's probably just a runaway and he goes she's four did she run away to tahiti (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's been like a lot and he keeps going to all the crime scenes so they're getting kind of annoyed at mike for being around there all the time and it's also some of the dairy the like not wanting to dig deeper oh yeah they they don't want to look into it they want to turn a blind eye to it i get it uh, but what makes this one different is this time Mike sees a picture of Georgie. Oh, Georgie! Which prompts our first. I'm gonna just divide part one into this into the different kids. Okay. So we've got Bill, and what he's doing is he's working on writing. He is adapting one of his books for a movie that his wife is starring in because she's an actress. Hmm. And it seems like the perfect setup. And he even jokes that if one of his books is going to be mangled, at least he can be the one to mangle it. Definitely not any Stephen King self-insertion at all. No. Whatsoever. You think he's talking about the, uh, what the the fucking movie with the cars coming to life? Maximum Overdrive? Yeah, okay, yeah, Maximum Overdrive. Because he is like, (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm directing it. I'm making this thing a shitty thing if if it's going to be shitty. (laughs) I think he's talking about The Shining, uh, which okay. that wasn't mangled, but like it didn't receive nearly the same level of uh, critical raves. He hated it. So yeah, that's well, he hated he Stanley Kubrick's. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, when he gets his call from Mike, he remembers Georgie. He remembers the last time he saw him because he was sick in bed. And Georgie wanted him to play. And, you know, they have the typical, like, brother banter. And he's like, ugh, get away from me. He's like, okay, but I love you. Yeah. He's like, Bill, what's 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 wrong, Bill? Why are you sick? I've come down with a case of the cooties. (laughs) (laughs) So he had made this little sailboat for Georgie. Mm. And they got to seal it with paraffin wax. And we even see little Georgie's afraid of the basement when he goes down and grabs the paraffin. Yeah. And he's so excited to go play it. And I felt so sad for Georgie watching it this time around. I don't know what it is. Like, as I get older, I just seeing these kids like this. I think Mid. it's definitely how ha- it's being older and having like years of experience now, but also like having kids in our lives that that's age. part of it. Because I, whenever I watch this, it's I was so thinking of our nephews and nieces. As, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Just... And he's just chasing his little sailboat down, playing a stupid kid game. Like, what is fun about chasing a boat in a puddle? I I don't know, but it's fun as a he, kid. Yeah, he's five, so it's a good time. It's great. And then he's so heartbroken because it goes down the drain. <sighs> SS and 
it's not like in his mind it's not so simple for bill to just make another one out of another newspaper no this is something his brother made for him it was a very important special gift and he wants to get it back and so when a clown pops up in the grate for whatever reason he has great instincts is what he has he's like oh i can't talk to you you're a stranger yeah however pennywise knows the way to get around that with children he lawyered is like, him oh well yeah. my name is pennywise so now we're not strangers anymore and he's like yeah that makes sense so that tracks that tracks uh that is exactly what my parents told me about stranger danger that is the full extent of it um would you like to eat my arm <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is um the um, you'll float too is there any like importance to that well, because the deadlights make them like float. Oh, yeah. that's what that meant. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah, you'll float too. Okay. Well, his, it's uh, kind of like a rapturing, but worse. I see that. Yeah. I, his delivery of like whenever um, Georgie asks if the balloons float, he's like, yes, Georgie, they float. It's <laughs> like, it's almost euphoric for him. Yeah, it is. And it's always like ever since watching as a kid registered weird to me. Yeah, but and it's supposed to like. Yeah, 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 it does a good job. So Georgie, you know, reaches for his boat, and then Pennywise takes the opportunity and grabs his arm, and we just get big old teeth. Yeah, can't show the eating the arm, but you have to imply it because yeah. Well, and like in the book, it details like a neighbor coming out and seeing like just a bright splash of yellow and red. Didn't that happen in the remake too? I think it maybe it didn't. I don't know. I think they. I think they did. So that more dairy being shitty, they saw the events going on and they don't give a shit. Okay, kid guy eating in the sewer, whatever. Uh, And then they cut to the funeral, and Bill is back at home looking through a photo album, and one of the pictures of Georgie moves and winks at him, so he freaks out, drops the album, and the album starts flipping pages on its own, and then it starts bleeding, and he calls for his parents, and his parents are like. What the fuck? Yeah, why are you even in Georgie's room right now? Like, because he misses your fucking kid. That is some slow ass motherfucking Jeff bullshit. What? Oh Oh, yeah, you're you're right. You're not. My son's dead. I don't give a shit that your brother's dead. My son's dead. (laughs) Fuck you. My son died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind of shitty. And uh, the mom goes over there to pick up the book, and Bill is freaking out because she is not seeing the blood, Mm -hmm. but. Blood smearing all over the place. Just that's a bloody book, and nobody seems to notice except yep. for Bill. And Bill can't believe that he forgot all about that, and he tells Audra uh, he's got to leave because he made a promise of so many years ago, thirty uh, years ago. I like that he's actually upfront about the shit. Everybody else is like, nobody called. He's like, <laughs> I'm Stephen King. Horrorful shit called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New York City, Ben Rip John Ritter. Mm. Um, big old su- uh, successful architect man uh, stumbles out of his limousine drunk as fuck you know, he's got a uh, hot date they go upstairs and they're about to get a little funky but uh, Mike the ultimate cockbuck yeah hey, dude yeah Mike knows the right time to call all of these people uh, he calls and Ben he's, gets he's a like, little bit upset yeah, yeah how come yeah and he tells his girlfriend, sorry, you're not, you know, you're not getting these blueprints. <laughs> he does it in a way that is very rude. Like, she goes over to embrace. He 
puts the hand in her face like uh-uh <laughs> and then he walks over to, to get another drink but like he's... i just like seeing that like i would never do that but he does not care about her obviously he's gotta go uh, drink on the rooftop and remember uh the time that a teacher made things a lot worse for him because he's new to class he's introduced himself and the bullies are making fun of him and the teacher's like henry bowers i'll see you in detention and henry bowers is like i'll kill you and the teacher's like do you want extra detention and ben's like oh dear god please he will actually literally kill me not the teacher's fault it's just henry bowers being a stupid little asshole yeah but it's also one of those things that like sometimes teachers are like all right we're gonna punish the bully and like uh, not do, doing though? anything to protect the child that is going to be you gotta, of it. Well, I, you gotta make, you gotta give them consequences. Like, you know, like they it's, do have to have consequences. But when the child is like literally sitting there saying, "I'm going to kill you because of this," you you need to also react to that. Report them to the cops for sure. Teachers yeah. are mandatory reporters, so yeah, true. But they <laughs> uh, didn't do that. And, uh, and he sits it, next to Beverly, mm-hmm. and he is immediately infatuated. Yeah, and then. You know, they talk a little bit after school. Some mean girls are like, oh, some girls have janitors for fathers. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever, at least he's paying the fucking bills. Yeah. Um, so as Ben's trying to walk home, thinking about Beverly Marsh, <laughs> Jennifer did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, of course, gets accosted by the bullies. And yeah. they do actually cut him in the book. Okay. Obviously, they can't they show can. this on TV. But yeah, like part of what happens when his memory comes back is the scar comes back. The really? The scar had disappeared, yeah. I'm just trying to imagine like Tommy Lee Wallace negotiating that with ABC. Like, how much kid cutting can I get away with in this? <laughs> no Tommy, kid cutting, none. Tommy. No. <laughs> it's like, ah, goddamn. Okay. <laughs> That's why I did this whole thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Ben puts up a fight and kicks off of Henry, and he goes tumbling down the side of yeah. the road, and uh, they go chasing mm-hmm. And then Ben finds a nice little sewer pipe to go hide in. Yeah. And Henry and That's how you preserve your dignity, kids. Yeah. <laughs> um Eddie and he... Bill are down there and they're like, Oh, I didn't see anybody. And so Henry's like, Yeah, well fuck you and steals Eddie's inhaler. Yeah. And, oh, poor Eddie. Yeah. When they're gone, um Ben comes out and he stays with Eddie so Bill can go get his inhaler refill. Uh so Eddie and Ben, like, they talk about life and dead fathers, as you do. Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. Yours is dead, too? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, Eddie's dad died of cancer, and his mom latched onto him as an emotional lapdog. Um, Poor Eddie. And then Ben's dad died in the war, so they had to move in with his shitty aunt and shittier cousin. Yeah. It's kind of like a Harry Potter type of it really there. is. It kind of felt like Except it. Except she's got a parent. By the way, and when Bill comes back, I have written down here certified Bubby moment because that's when you mentioned they're puppies. Yeah, just, they like, started at me. building a dam together and there's like whistling and they're, let me tell you about yeah. my It was just funny because you just like looked at me and went, the puppies. <laughs> <laughs> like that certified Bubby moment right there. That needs to be a thing. Uh, as... Ben is in his room writing a postcard poem to Bev. His cousin comes in and is a real jerk. And his aunt comes in as an even bigger jerk. And his mom's like, listen, I know they're jerks, but you need to apologize for being a jerk. And Ben's like, I wasn't a jerk. He goes, yeah, but, you know, my aunt's kind of a, or your aunt's kind of a jerk, so you need to apologize to her anyway. And Ben's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And fuck he runs this, away. you're being a jerk. <laughs> he runs away. <laughs> and then he sees a uh, ghost dad in the marsh. 
Which Oof. then turns into Pennywise. Uh, that's a creepy transformation. Like every time it cuts back yeah, to him, there's like one different. part. Yeah, like, like the, the buttons turning mm-hmm. into the pom poms is the one that gets me. That's the creepiest one. And then it cuts back to him and he's just got the clown pants on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. He's holding the balloon. It's very creepy. But let's not worry about that. Let's cut to Chicago. Chicago. Oh. Chicago. Uh, so Beverly. Uh, with Beverly by hand, gets a call, but Tom says she can't take a call right now. Okay, Pamela? We got business to do. (laughs) And Bev's like, but I would really like to take... No calls and don't you ever undermine me again. (laughs) They've got this big deal going on with Mm -hmm. uh, some Japanese clients. And um, they go over there to introduce them. And does she she do something to embarrass him or something? I don't understand what happens here. I think it's just a moment where, like, she's supposed to be the person in charge, and there's, like, a moment of, like, is she going to be allowed to do it when it's her business? Because yeah. the way he's so controlling. That's how I always interpret well, it. And, like, the people, like, that are there meeting them are just, they look super uncomfortable. Well, and they're like, do a- I bow now? I guess I bow. Like, I don't know what's happening. There's bad vibes with Bev and Tom. Yeah, but they like reluctantly bow and everybody bows back. And well, the meeting must go well because uh, they're having champagne and sex later. Yeah, I don't think they quite make it to sex yet. They're having champagne in bed. He's got his shirt off that much. It's true. Um, but they run out of champagne. He takes the last drink, of course, because fuck her. He like halfway offers it to her and he's like, ah, yeah, just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get another. And then as she when is he, alone. Yeah. He, she gets a call mm-hmm. and he, she's packing when he comes back and she's like, I got to go. It's this whole big thing. And he slaps her and brings out the belt. And then you know what Bev does? She starts throwing shit at him. Dude. And she's like, don't you ever touch a hand, lay a hand on me again or I will fucking kill you yeah back to the ugly this is another thing here oh like God. the fact that he brings up the belt and he's like it's been a while since we've had to do this like jesus this has been like he just like fucking punishes her it's just so disturbing it's upsetting and i love this moment of her just being like no fuck you i will kill you if you do this again yeah and uh she gets her flashback moment on the way to o'hare and her flashback is uh making dad breakfast and getting a little ding dong on the doorbell and it's a postcard. It's a cute little postcard. Mm-hmm. Your hair is January. Uh, your hair is... Ember fires. Winter fire, winter. January embers. My heart burns there, too. Yeah, good job, Ben. Yeah. And he's over there watching from the bushes. And um, she takes it inside. And, and her dad sees it and reads it and gets really mm-hmm. upset that she's messing around with them boys. They're like, it's the... T- it's not even like damn baby booty so juicy like it's literally you're really pretty your hair is nice and I honestly like you. if they started using like oh lingo like that he might not understand like damn girl ass fat thick yo and it's like <laughs> damn okay so, like, i don't know what that means well they spelled okay. fat with a ph so i don't this is clearly is this harmless. chemistry yeah okay yeah <laughs> so is this your chemistry homework oh wow they must have found new elements okay <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah so uh, you know, basically, he uh, calls her a slut and hits her. I wonder where she develops her taste in men. Hmm. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so she runs off, and while she's running, Ben comes around too, and he's like, "Hey, how are you?" And it almost feels in a way like he set this up, like yeah, right. Which clearly <laughs> he didn't, you know, assume that her father's uh, abusive, but uh, you know, he was like, "I can use this moment to." Like, dad's, you know, like, mine's dead, but yeah. uh, yours is a jerk. 
they're the worst. Uh, <laughs> my dad was just a clown. <laughs> what happened with yours? <laughs> She's like not really happy that he's there, but he's like, you know what? Just come with me. We're going down to the Barrens and we're going to go build a dam. Yeah. While they're down there, they meet Richie and Stan and they all build a dam together. But Beverly is into Bill. Yeah. She assumes Bill is the one that wrote it because he is the writer after all. Poor Ben. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Feel bad for the dude. Yeah, on the way home, she's like very distracted watching after him. And Ben's like, oh, okay, I get it. And Bill does like the nerdiest thing. He's like, hi, hi old silver. silver. He does like, it every fucking time he gets on that bike. It's secondhand embarrassment every yeah. single time. But she sees that she's like, oh, Bill. <laughs> and then Ben's like, all right, I'm going. And he's like, who are you? Bye. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Jerry. Uh, <laughs> Be- Be- <laughs> Bill. Be- <laughs> so when she goes back into her apartment that night, she's brushing her teeth and she hears little voices in the drain. That's creepy. Yeah. And then as she's leaning closer, oh, you know, just one of those casual uh, drain blood bubbles burst right in her face. Yeah. And she asks who it is. And like, Vicky, uh, it was a bunch of names. Vicky Burroughs and kids. Matthew O'Connor. We're the dead kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, we're the dead kids. And she goes and she's like, daddy, daddy. And he, like, he comes and he's like, what is it? What is it? And he's like, hands all in the blood and touching her face with yeah, the blood. That's the thing. Like anytime they touch blood, they have to make it as upsetting as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy's like, okay, so no blood from orifices and no kid cutting. Didn't say you couldn't put blood <laughs> in orifices. <laughs> So she covers and says it was a big spider. <laughs> Which I would still be freaking out about that. Like, I would think that the spider has moved on from the sink and not gone back down the drain. But, you know, whatever. Good cover. Yeah. So uh, now we got to go to Great Neck, New York, where Eddie's ma is like, Eddie, Eddie, don't leave the house. Eddie, where are you going? Can you imagine and... if she also called him Eddie Spaghetti? Like, Eddie Spaghetti, get back here. I'm surprised she calls him Eddie and not like Edward. Edward, yeah. Like, uh, he's, she's uh, it's still a kid to her. Yeah, I guess there is that. It's yeah. just, oh, it's such a such an icky dynamic. Yeah. She really used him as like a surrogate husband, and it's so icky. It's, it's so, so fucked up, icky. man. There's a lot of layers there that I don't really want to. I pill. don't want to unpack. I don't have the emotional energy to unpack all of the trauma these children went through. Yeah, but he got his call, and he's getting ready to go. <laughs> he's so. assertive with his mother for once in his life. Good for him. Six yeah. up for himself. And like on the way, like he's like talking to his business partner, like trying to make sure everything. He's like, "I want you to handle the Pacino job. I don't trust anybody else." Which I I would feel honored if I was trusted with a Pacino job. I got very big vibes that this is Eddie's lover. Well, no, he said he's never been with anybody. I know that, but the way that this guy is like, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about you, Eddie. Like it just seemed very like they had a very intimate relationship. I mean, and then whenever they like, he's like waving partners. Yeah, whenever he's waving on the train, partners. Like he's tearing up, looking at him. Partners. I know, but I'm just trying to say, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it seemed like I got that he was in a relationship with him. I didn't necessarily get the whole thing with him and Richie. But like, yeah, there seems to be something there. He may not have had sex, but it doesn't mean he's not had a lover. You know what I mean? Lovers don't have to be sexual, okay? I just always connotate lover with the... Uh, okay. I want to make love right now, nah, nah, nah. 
he may not have ever had sex, Very but that doesn't white, mean you know? that he hasn't met his soulmate and has made an uh, intimate connection. Okay, okay. Is that better? Yes. Less that, fucking involved that, there? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. great, great. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, let's go back to watching Wolfman and the Paramount and Eddie kicking some popcorn on Henry Bowers and his friends and, you know, what Richie does. Richie goes and makes things worse by dropping his drink on him intentionally. <laughs> Richie's, uh, Richie's got a lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of balls to him right there to do that. This, this guy is like willingly just like opening up his knife and threatening to cut people all the time. So they have to go running off. Uh... Eddie's mom is incredibly overprotective, hates all of his friends, says that he's not allowed to shower with the other boys after class. But this, is like, this isn't a normal thing. <laughs> like, I never had to shower in my school. It was always optional for us. We didn't, I guess we didn't have operating showers, probably. Like, <laughs> like I don't it was, know. It was optional for us, and I made a point of never getting sweaty enough in gym class to need a shower. Yeah, I mean, I would never do it. Well, plus, like, like, most of the time after gym class, like, I would have practice after school anyway. And it's like, how many fucking showers am I going to take in a day? Yeah. I, you know how I feel about showers. They're yes. undue necessary in life. I, I will take a shower because I have to because we live in a society but a society. if i had the option to never shower i would probably do that i just hate it it's it takes up too much of my day okay anyway uh stinky <laughs> i wish i didn't stink so i didn't have to shower mm. um so yeah he um his coach or his pt or p was it pe pe teacher forces him to stay behind because he didn't shower so he has to go in there and take a shower like, now you take phys ed you sweat do we really think Eddie sweat during his ed? Do we think Eddie got that active? Or yeah. Do we think Eddie was last picked and probably got immediately kicked out in, in uh, dodgeball? Eddie's not fit. He's going to get sweaty no matter what. So anyway, he has to go take what's probably a more terrifying shower than a shower with all the other boys, which is a shower alone where all of the noozles come to life, mm-hmm. attack him with hot water, and then a drain opens and stop motion animation. Which is great. Oh, I oh my love God. It's, that. Yeah, it's so intense. Like, yeah. it, it adds something to it. I like it <sighs> a lot. And Pennywise pops up and uh, good. He just creeps out Eddie and. Take That's it easy, thing. Wizzy. All he's doing is just building up the fear in all mm-hmm. these people. Well, because the kids taste better when they're afraid. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now we're backstage and Richie's finishing up a show and everybody's so excited about Richie. Fuck yeah, Richie. Yeah. No beep beeps for you. We want you to keep going. And he's excited and he's celebrating and he gets a show backstage and it just ends all of the fun for him. Uh, so he tells his manager that he needs to be gone for a few days. And the manager is like, what about your hosting gig? And you're supposed to sub in for Leno. Holy shit. Yeah, who's doing? Who's going to do Carson? Yeah, oh, yeah, like, holy shit. Yeah, good for you, man. Um, and we get a late reveal of where he is. It's like, by the way, Beverly Hills. Like, ooh, that was like a big drop right there. Ooh, he's made a big. It was so, like, hit or miss if we got a card for their locations. So Well, we got just... all of them up front except for his. And yeah. his is, like, revealed in the middle. It's like, yeah, by the way, he's in Beverly Hills. Like, it's like a big drop. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the manager's like, I, I think that's his manager. He's, like, super pissed at him because yeah. he is just, like, a abandoning well, what he has to do. Well, the manager money, too. So. Yeah, I get it. But uh, Richie made a promise when he was 12, so he's yeah. got to stick to it. Even though he's so scared thinking about the wolfman that he throws up. Yeah, he's uh, he's the most affected by it, I feel like. Well, nah, Ben almost jumped off a building. <laughs> Never mind. He didn't just throw up. There's a lot going on there. Uh, So we, in the flashback, Bill is telling a campfire story, 
And they all talk about what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, Eddie wants to be a train conductor. Uh, Richie wants to be a rock and roll singer. Ben wants to be an Air Force pilot. Sam wants to be an ornithologist. Bev wants to be a painter. Uh, a police officer sees them and yells at them, but then, um, like, it feels very much like a panicked parent, like, screaming, like, get out of there. And then he's like, okay, but listen, there was, like, a body found. So yeah. you guys need to stick together no matter what. Yeah, make a promise. And he, like, get, he gets in on the promise. He's like, put your hands on mine. Let's all promise yeah, yeah, together yeah. that you guys are going to do this. We see Richie and Henry fight in the cafeteria, and Richie's made to go get a mop. But when he can't get into Mr. Marsh's uh, closet, he goes down to the basement. When he's down there, he sees the Wolfman. Yeah, who which, is also Pennywise. Yeah, the Wolfman. I like not scary, but when he turns into a clown, that's scary. <laughs> hey, beep beep, Richie. Yeah, uh, when he runs back up there and he's like telling everybody in the cafeteria what he saw, everybody is laughing. Except for his group of friends. Yeah, because well, they get it. And with Richie, like, I don't think that they're so much laughing at him. They're like laughing with him, they think, because, you know, he's a funny guy. Like, that yeah. way, that's a total Richie move to come in here and say, hey, there's a werewolf in the basement. Uh, now it's Mike's turn. Uh, Mike can't call himself, so instead he's journaling <laughs> about the Lucky Seven. And this is how he came to join their group. So in class, he's sharing a photo album about dairy and the history of their tragedies every 30 years. Hmm, weird that. The teacher doesn't really want to know more. She's like, this is morbid. Let's uh, let's just be done. Yeah. Um, Henry and co. Uh, racially target Mike after school. Uh, they threaten him with a firework. They, I don't understand. They said your dad has caused my dad a lot of trouble. Like, is there more explored with that and like another thing? I don't remember the full context of it, but uh, at the root of it, it's just racism. Okay, I figured as much, but I didn't know if there was like other things going on between their parents. Um, so the rest of the group is down at the Barrens, and they're telling their stories about um, everything they've been experiencing, all of the weird stuff, all of the scary stuff. Mike is running, and he climbs the fence to, into the quarry or the Barrens or whatever. And... um. Henry and his group follow him. And the other six are just like, you know what? We've had enough. And we're going to protect this kid. And we're going to throw rocks at Henry Bowers. And all it takes is one rock and a couple kicks to the butt for Henry Bowers to be like. Well, fucking rocks hurt. But I like how his uh, friends just like back away from him as soon as he goes down. Like they don't even really try. And Henry is like really, he's a real tough guy because like he's been like knocked out by these guys right here. He's like, I'm going to kill you. And I like Richie's like, get some new material. Like, yeah, because he says it every single time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, then they all are like, all right, this is, Henry called them the losers club. So they're like, okay, I guess we're the losers club. And then Mike Mike's takes like, a picture. Yeah, he's like, all right, I got a camera. Let's, you know, let's do this. Let's make it official. And he shows them his album. And there's photos of Pennywise in there. And then, of course, the photos start moving because this is it. Um, yeah, and- pictures from over 200 years ago, by the way. It's like illustrations of him. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, they found like this one picture of like a town, like I guess like the very first like iteration yeah, like of the a town. town fair or something is going yeah. on. And Pennywise comes down the street. That always, uh, oh my God, it creeped me out so much as a kid. Like he comes back flipping all the way down there and then he gets up on the lamppost and points at them and growls at them and then gets it right up in the picture and is like, oh, I'm going to get you guys and... Um, you know, just laughing at him and just being very creepy. And uh, yeah. Bill is like, the thing killed my brother and I want you guys to help me kill it. 
Uh, and I'm like, okay, this is why. <laughs> getting kind of deep here. And Mike wakes up, and he hears footsteps in the library. Doesn't see anything besides a balloon next to him. Oh, that's creepy. In Atlanta, Stan is reading the paper while his wife is sewing some pants. They talk about having kids. Mike calls, and Stan is uh, a little panicky on the phone. He's very noncommittal about showing up to Derry. And uh, after he hangs up, he tells wife he's going to go take a bath. Yep. So in his flashback, he is uh, with the group, the Losers Club. They're practicing with a slingshot, and Bev is the best. And the plan is that they're going to shoot Pennywise with silver. Richie stole his mom's earrings. Good for her, honestly, because those fuckers are ugly. Mm-hmm, those yeah. are some ugly earrings. I didn't even know that those were earrings. I just Ugh. thought, like, yeah, I got some like silver blobs here. <laughs> those are like the ugly mom earrings that like weigh down the earlobes. You mm. know how old ladies have to stretch out your lo- That's yeah. those are the earrings that did that. Good job, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> um, they all take a puff of Eddie's inhaler, and then they start climbing down the sewer together. And Henry and his goons follow, because of course they do. And he's like, all right, we're going to split up. Um, I didn't catch the one guy's name. Henry and Belch were going to go one way, and the other one was going to go the other way. Except he doesn't last very long. Um, No, he like goes down there and is immediately just eaten by this giant thing. Yep, pretty much. And then Henry and Belch get Stan from the back of the group and drag him away, and then they hold him up to a knife, and then all of a sudden, the light comes out. Yeah, a light bursts a pipe, and it um, kills Belch, like, mm. sucks him into the pipe. The way that they did that, it <sighs> looked great. It's so creepy. Yeah, it is. Like, they did a great job doing that, and then that wasn't enough to, like, terrify Henry. He's like, okay, whatever, stop joking around, Belch. Like, all right, cool, you did your flying trick once before. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, like, it comes back out, and then the lights show, and it shows it to Henry, and he turns instantly white. Like, his hair goes white from fear. Yeah. Um, the light, Stan runs back to the Losers Club, and the light passes over all of them, and they hold hands. How did it not get them? Because they were all holding hands. It's it's a whole thing about their group having, like, a power together. That's okay. why it's so important that they all stick together, and that's why it was so important that they all return to Derry. Okay, well, that much did not get communicated as well in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so they're all holding hands and they all have to try and resist the things that scare them. But somehow Pennywise still manages to break into the circle and he gets Stan and Eddie comes over and he says, Hey, this is battery acid and sprays Pennywise in the face with his inhaler. And then Bev hits him in the head with the earring and he, uh, jumps down a drain and they're like, he's hurt. He's probably dead, which is the same line of thinking that Bev's dad had about the spider that you disagreed with. Yeah. Oh, uh, you can even <laughs> hear Pennywise and they're going, oh, like he's hurt. He's not dead. <laughs> um, and then they all crawl out and they're like, okay, if this thing ever comes back, we promise we're going to come back and finish the job. And then they all make a promise. And Stan is the very last one to promise. It like passes over him and then he's like, fine. Yeah. Stan's wife goes upstairs to check on him. Has a beer for him. Has a beer for him. It's beer. It's the name of the beer is beer. It's good beer. Uh, it's clearly <laughs> a Miller Lite. Yeah. It just says beer. <laughs> and um, he has cut his wrist and written it on the wall. And part one just ends. And it just ends. Boom. Very just abruptly. like that. Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't get anything. Mm-hmm. So part two. 
Starts with uh, Bill visiting Georgie's grave. And while he's there, he sees Pennywise, who says that uh, he's got seven graves. One of them's already filled up. So we don't know who that is. Well, we know who it is. Yeah. Bill doesn't know who it is. Um, and then we get a close-up on Bill's face and um, a beadlet of sweat with a bunch of foundation mixed in. <laughs> and it's so distracting. Like, could somebody not have just gone over and dabbed his face mm, real quick? No. <laughs> so distracting. Uh, so he goes to the library and talks to Mike. Um more memories are coming at him. And so, uh Okay, this is like one of the shittiest things here. So they're there and they're like, oh yeah, this is like the poor part of town. Yeah, Bev used to live over here. Wow, it's still is poor and shitty looking. And they're like, Okay, let's go to your house, Mike. And Mike's like, right here. <laughs> like, Fuck you, right? Like, oh yeah, we're all super successful. You are too, right, Mike? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and he's like, oh, also, I still have all of the traumatic memories because I stayed in Derry to, you know, keep an eye on things. It's cool. It's fine. It's yeah. cool. It's cool. <laughs> um, also, you're going to take my role and give it to Ben in the remake. That's fine, too, also. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so he's like, I did buy this tube repair kit several months ago. Don't know why. And then not too long ago, I found this bike in the pawn shop. And guess what? It's silver. Yeah, and he's like starting to talk. He's like, "Yeah, well, I got this urge to buy this like kit to fix up the bike, and then like three months like later, I found your bike. So I don't know. I feel like something's all kind of like happening as a purpose." Uh, so Richie's driving in, and he sees his own epitaph on the Paramount's marquee, and then uh, he goes to the library to find Mike. And while he's waiting there, Pennywise is dropping blood-filled balloon bombs on him. And he starts freaking out, and he's trying to tell one of the other librarians to let Mike know that he's going to be at the hotel, but because Pennywise is, like, making dumb jokes, which I feel like is really the right taunting tactic with Richie, instead mm-hmm. of just insulting Richie like he does his own bit at him. Yeah. <laughs> and Richie's, like, shouting. It's like when people have headphones in, and they're, like, shouting at you, even though you can't hear yeah. what's, what they're hearing. That's what he's doing. Like right in her face. Uh, it's just great. And this whole scene, I thought it was funny watching the blood balloons like pop in people's faces because the actors have to pretend like they're not Nothing's faced by happening. it. But every single one of them do like a minor flinch. Like, because <laughs> like, like, fucking blood yeah. just shooting all over your face suddenly. Uh, it's great. Uh, we have a nice little montage of Mike and Bill riding silver. I like that. That was fun. And it ends abruptly when they go to add cards to the spokes and uh, Pennywise is on the back of the cards. Mm. Ben is in a cab and he asks the cab driver to pull over at the bridge. And he walks down there and he remembers the bullies for a minute. And then he realizes he's watching actual bullies chase a little chubby kid. And uh, as the kid falls, like Ben goes over and shoes him away. And then he gives this kid tetanus. (laughs) No, no, no. Bill... As soon as ben. ben, as soon as he gets back in the town, he is affected by the shitty dairy part because he watches them chase the kid and then insult them and like fuck with them and then they leave on their own and then he runs over to check on them. He doesn't help at all. He's like, Yeah, that shit happened to me too. I'm gonna let that happen to him. He might become a successful architect one day. I need to point out that he takes his dirty hanky out of his pocket, dips it in this infested water. <laughs> dabs this yeah. kid's knee and is like you totally won't get an infection all right go at it kid don't worry you're gonna grow up to be john ritter one day <laughs> <laughs> you'll be on three's company it'll be great come and knock on our door <laughs> <laughs> he's just singing this come and knock on our door <laughs> yeah um so 
he uh, he gets back into the cab and drives off. And uh, on the side of the road, Pennywise is there. Mm-hmm. And he gets a balloon in his car and it says, uh, turn back now or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so Eddie is at the drugstore refilling his bullshit inhaler <laughs> prescription. I, for a minute, I was like, how is he filling this prescription? I was like, oh, it's because it's a placebo. Yeah. And he's still going along with it, even though he knows. And he flashes back to the pharmacist telling him that his mom is, you know, abusive. And as a 12-year-old, he was like, I don't understand any of this. This is beyond my grasp to really articulate. On a subconscious level, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't had the proper channels to process this. Yeah. Uh, but Dude. today, I'm going to go talk to this old man. <laughs> All I can remember is from the remake when he's like, I talked to the pharmacist. He told me you're giving me gazebos. <laughs> <laughs> this is really funny. Uh, and then like the pharmacist is there on the side and he's uh, he's got issues. He's having memory problems. But uh, he seems to remember the whole uh, placebo thing until Eddie realizes that it's actually it. Mm-hmm. And he gets them. He's like, all right, don't go fucking around here. And uh, then it turns back onto the old man. Yeah. Uh, Bev is at her old apartment and learns her father died five years ago, and I fully believe that she would have been out of contact long enough to not even know that her father died, so. Yep, totally believe it. Uh, Mrs. Kirsch is living in there, invites him in for some tea, invites her in for some tea, and, uh, it's getting a little, a little creepy pretty quickly, you know, the way she slurps down her tea. And yeah, her oh my God. Are, all black and like i can look past the slurping of the tea some people are just weird she's old she probably don't give a fuck anymore she's like all right i don't just give me that bullet but uh yeah then she turns into an old woman like more of an old woman like a deceased old woman yeah yeah like a corpse yeah yeah and chases i thought that this was creepier than the, the new one, yeah. Yeah, because like the makeup looks really good. Yeah, it's almost like you don't have to be afraid of an older woman's body for her to be creepy. Yeah. It can just be the acting. You yeah, know? the acting and just like the decay and look on her. And it's just terrifying. It's upsetting, honestly, seeing her chase Bev. But uh, Bev makes it out. And then Pennywise is there and is, you know, hugging it up like he always is. And then <laughs> Bev realizes, oh shit, the board. Like it's been boarded up. boarded up. Yeah. yeah, it's abandoned. How the fuck did she get in there? Uh, nightmare magic. Nah, I have nightmare magic. I guess so. Meanwhile, Audra is talking to the director Greco, who uh, is threatening her career if she leaves. She's like, "I can replace your husband. I don't give a shit about him. I can't replace you. If you leave this, I will make sure you don't work in this town again." Uh, and she's like, "Okay, I understand." And then as soon as he's gone, she's calling for a ticket. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, so there's a group dinner at the Chinese restaurant. Richie has to collect himself for a minute before he can approach his friends. And I do like seeing the side of him because I think if we just saw him joking around, it would be hard to take him seriously. But seeing the way he like panics for a minute in the bathroom, you know that it really like the joking really is a mask he uses to yeah. kind of deal with life. He's more of a mess as an adult than he is as a kid because you yeah. got more of his sense of humor, like lightheartedness as in his kid scenes. But here you see him like constantly have to like step aside and collect himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So Bev is the last one to arrive, and as soon as she gets there, she faints. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When she wakes up, she kisses Bill, and nobody acknowledges it. She kisses Eddie too, right? Like, she, just on the cheek, but she like plants one on Bill. Yeah, it's it's so fucked up. And Bill's like, "I'm fucking married," but he doesn't say that. He's like, "Yeah, this is cool. I'm Stephen King. I get <laughs> two bitches." <laughs> um, so they're all like working to remember things. Um, Eddie's like, "I remember nothing," and then somebody says the word "sue." and it's like he was a sleeper oh. agent that was activated. Whoa, it's all coming together. <laughs> um, they all start feeling a little bit better being together is what they say, and they have dinner. Uh, we learn that Henry confessed to all the child murders, and um, that's the only part that they believed of his confession when he you know, talks about the clown and the sewer and all of that. They're like, yeah, that doesn't sound fake, but you definitely probably uh, maybe killed those kids, so we're just going to put you in... Uh, psychiatric correctional facility yeah for the rest of your life yeah. yeah um so we do cut to juniper hill briefly and see pennywise in the moon talking to henry and telling uh, telling him that he has to kill them all why does he have to use henry uh because he said that um sometime like it's the whole like metaphysical versus physical thing. I mean, so he says Henry's like flesh and blood. It's yeah. easier for him to do it. He does outright say that here, but like, why? Like, does he just? I guess he just wants them dead so that he's not. They're not threatening his existence. I guess. Well, and it's also like the way he has to kill them. It's harder for him to kill adults. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I and guess he like why... has to kind of go through a whole corruption process. It's a whole thing. Ah, complicated. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, Belch. Belch's zombie comes from up underneath Henry's bed and gives him a switchblade or like a knife. And he's like, don't worry about, uh, what was the guy's name? I didn't write it down. It's the author that uh, you were Oh, Koontz. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Koontz is the fucking worst. He's the guy that's working the door. Today. He's like, don't worry about Koontz. I'll take care of Koontz. And, and then, then Belch turns into a Rottweiler in a clown suit. It's so weird. I was like, what the fuck? So like, okay. Can I ask this? How the fuck can Koontz see it, even though he did not have that experience as a child? Uh, dude, I, I don't know. Legitimate questions, right? Like, the whole point of them being able to see it as adults is because they had that experience as children. Nobody else can see it. I think part of it is also still some of that lingering fear um, and, like, the being willing to question it which adults don't always have. Like, it's really easy for adults to rationalize things away. Like, oh, it's, you know, they're runaways, or, oh, this kid murdered the other kids. Yeah, um, but this guy didn't experience any of that. He's just, like, a fucking guy that is working at this facility, and then now there's a dog clown attacking him. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, we don't have we to don't explain have any it. any of his backstory. <laughs> okay. Well, we got the backstory of another person coming up soon, so we'll <laughs> bring that question up again here in a minute. Um, Richie says that he's going to be leaving at 6 a.m. Um, and they're like, you can't. We have to carry this out. He goes, no, I came here to catch up with you all, learn what's going on. There's nothing we can do. Um, and then they all open their fortune cookies and they get things such as blood or bugs um, or eyeballs or crabs, claws spider. or bird fetuses yeah. or the spider, as you <laughs> said. Um, so they go to the library and they're continuing some of the fun and they... Or, and Mike is trying to get a hold of Stan again and he eventually gets a hold of his wife and learns that he is dead. Yep. And then they remember um, what 
finally got Stan to believe because the whole time he kept saying, like, this is all empirically impossible. Um, and then one day he got drawn into the house by the park where he's bird watching and he sees what in the movie is made to look like a mummy kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Um, and he uses his bird book to get out just by like basically distracting him from what was terrifying. Yeah, him. just like reciting the birds mm-hmm. that he knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he told one of, was it Eddie or Richie? He told one of them, maybe Ben, um, after school that um, one day that what he saw was what was behind the clown. It was the deadlights. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and they all need a refill. And when they open the fridge, Stan's head is in there and starts taunting them and basically bringing out all of their worst fears about their adulthood, which I think is kind of a nice twist, too, because yeah. in childhood, you're afraid of things like the wolf man or mummies. But in adulthood, you're afraid of things like marrying your father or never being successful honestly like headless roasting stanley is fucking brutal yeah deep cuts yeah it's coming from the world's harshest insult comic yeah (laughs) so um mike reveals that uh Things have been happening in Derry in 30-year increments, um, yes. all kinds of major tragedies. The adults don't seem to want to stop it. Um, they don't care about understanding their fear. Meanwhile, Audra is driving to Derry. She's almost there, and she stops at a gas station to get directions, and the gas station attendant. Again, it's it's Pennywise, mm-hmm. and she sees it. Don't mm-hmm. know. Don't understand why. Don't understand how it is able. Why is why is he con- like staying in Derry all the time? Like he clearly has reach. It's again, it's something about Derry. Like we didn't get the full explanation of it. In okay. The movie. Well, I'm still calling bullshit on him being able to get her because she doesn't know anything about him. Um. So Ben is telling the story. They're back at the hotel now, and Ben is telling how he lost weight out of spite, basically, to uh, and got a teacher. <laughs> this feels very like yeah, that happened. Yeah, he's like yeah. So I became the fastest kid in town, and the teacher punched me. And I noticed here that John Ritter almost dropped an f bomb. Like, <laughs> and I flipping <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's it's great. I saw him almost do it though. Um, Richie still wants to leave. Um, Bev talks about when she was cleaning up the blood in her bathroom, and then as soon as she was done, she goes to leave, and it all reappeared. So she had her friends come look, and when they saw it, she felt so relieved that she wasn't alone. Um, and that they all stayed and they helped clean. They split up to go to their rooms briefly, uh, brush teeth, grab shawl, you know, whatnot. Um, and while they're in their rooms, Henry stabs Mike. Meanwhile, Bev comes in and tells Ben that she knows he wrote the poem and they kiss, but surprise! Oh, he's got like makeup smeared on his mm-hmm. face and he looks down and like, oh shit, those aren't the pants you were wearing before. It's clown pants. And then looks over, it's Pennywise. He's like, kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Um, Eddie and Ben go Here in. Mike struggling. Yeah. So they break in and help. Um, Mike has been stabbed uh henry has been stabbed worse yeah so they all rush mike to the er bev is crying and scared outside and she's talking about how she can't believe she wound up with somebody exactly like her father um and then she quotes the poem and asks ben if he was the one that wrote it and he was like are you you are you the clown and she's like what the fuck (laughs) is this another one of your poems i don't get this one (laughs) 
Um, they learn Mike will be okay, but only one can really go in to talk to him. So Bill goes in there. Um, Mike still has the silver earrings. He got them from the sewer 10 years ago when he wasn't in such a good spot in his life. And he didn't really care if he ran into Pennywise, which is just sad. That is sad. And that's kind of crazy Ooh. that he managed to go down there and find those after all of that time. Um, so they decide that they're going to leave Henry's body in the hotel um like, what, we, what the fuck do we do with it nobody knows yeah. nobody knows how to like dispose of a body it's fucking dairy nobody gives a shit yeah and they're like if we tell the cops the cops will probably just like have some pennywise manipulation and keep us held up so we can't go defeat him once and for all yeah um richie is still like adamant that he's not gonna help out but then he sees this new story of a little girl being murdered and he's like i'm eh. you can see him kind of like mm-hmm. feeling some guilt and then Bill sees a woman and child playing piano, and he comes outside. And he's like, "I don't know if what I saw was real or not. You know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life questioning it, and I don't want to keep questioning things. I want to finish this once and for all." So they all drive to the Barrens, um, and they name like the bullets, the silver earring bullets, mm-hmm. after uh, Mike and Stan. So it's like they're all together. I agree with Richie here. He's like, we should have brought a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, there's a lot of like silver and are bullets silver. No, they're not silver. What are they? I don't fucking know. Well, whatever. They'll hurt him. Sure. Oh, yeah, they'll hurt him. Better than a slingshot. <laughs> Come on. Um. So they all enter the sewer. Yeah. Uh, Bill notices his wife's purse down there. Yeah. So he freaks out and goes rushing in. And the rest, uh, catch up because he tripped (laughs) and he's crying and Bev snaps him out of it. So then a sailboat travels because Pennywise is just enjoying fucking with Bill at this point. And then they see a one-armed Georgie who looks a lot like Crispin Glover in Hot Tub Time Machine (laughs) and that you can tell his arm is just tucked into his jacket. (laughs) Yofo too, yofo too. Uh, Pennywise is talking to them and taunting them. Bill figures they can still kill it in its physical form, so they follow the boat to its lair, and Eddie confesses he's a virgin. And it's so um, weird. It's like, by the way, guys, I gotta admit, I never had sex. I'm like, Eddie, why the fuck are like, you bringing this up now? It's like, I could only have sex with somebody that I truly love, and I only truly love you guys. Bev, take off your pants. It's like, yeah, like, are you are you asking to fuck us right now, Eddie? Like, is this what you're trying to do? <laughs> um, when they get into the lair, they see all these bodies caught up in a web, like a spider's web. Mm-hmm. And speaking of spiders, uh, we get Gilligan's Island Black Morning Spider. Oh yeah, <laughs> big old spider just comes crawling out. Um, Bill, Richie, and Ben get caught up by the deadlights. Bev misses one of her shots, so she has to run and grab the earring, and Eddie's like left there and he's like i don't know what to do so you know what he does he defaults to his inhaler and sprays the spider it has no effect has no effect but it gives bev enough time to get her shot in and uh she hits it and eddie gets dropped by the spider and he dies and they all kick the spider out of rage yeah i don't understand how this kills eddie and they pull out its heart well because he'd like picked it up and squeezed him a lot okay well the i I guess they couldn't really show that super well in here yeah so they just yeah they tip over the spider and just punch its tummy until they get his heart and squish it and then Mm -hmm. it dies and bodies are being lowered down from the web some of them are dead but audra is catatonic Mm mm-hmm Mike is journaling sometime later. He can't remember anything anymore. He says, it's like a veil dropped. Um, I only remember what I've read in my journal. 
Uh, but now it feels like things are over, so I might be able to move and move on. Um, Richie's in movies now, and he frequently works with somebody who looks and acts a lot like Eddie. Ben and Bev are married and expecting children. And Bill and Audra are leaving today, but Audra still hasn't improved. She's still catatonic. As he's climbing into the cab, the cab drivers in this town have to deal with a lot of shit of people being like, wait here just a minute. Yeah, it's just I part of the job. I hope they keep the meters running. Oh, yeah, for sure. Me too. Because um, he sees Silver, and he's like, I'm going to secondhand embarrass you out of this coma. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is his line of thinking here? It's like, Silver got me through a lot of tough times. This is definitely going to help you from being catatonic. So, like, he loads her up on silver, and they go riding down the middle of the street, causing all kinds of wrecks. You know what it reminds me of? What? The scene in Princess Diaries where her car gets stuck. Because, you know, San Francisco streets. Oh, are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and Julie like Andrews that. can't even, has to charm her way out of the ticket. And, like, she, <laughs> it works. She snaps out of it, but I don't think it was Silver that did it. I think it's the fear of getting hit by multiple cars that, like, snapped her out of it. Like, she wakes up in the middle of the street, gridlock that she caused. Yeah. And with it's like a bunch of drivers threatening her. And she's like, no. <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? I was at a gas station, and now I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm on a bike? And it's like, yeah. Silver. Hi-ho, Silver. <laughs> and that's the end of that's the it. movie, folks. That's the movie. Wow, we actually managed to get through that pretty quickly. We did, we, we did. did we stayed on topic. I'm pretty proud of us. Yeah, me too. So what do you rate it now that we talked about it? I'm keeping it an eight, man. It's real solid. It's a real good time. I yeah. love it. It's it's held up remarkably well. Yeah, I, it really has. It's, it's, it's a really good adaptation. Um, I mean, I can't really speak for the book, but like I enjoy watching it as a movie. I do have questions, though. <clears throat> I think it like doesn't follow its own rules that it sets that I've realized you know, as we talk about it. I think that's more the hazard of trying to adapt such a <coughs> convoluted book. Well, I'm reviewing it as the movie itself. So. I'm just offering an explanation for why. Oh, I understand that, but it doesn't help me, the person that hasn't watched or read the book. You know, you have to like, you have to cater to that audience as well. So when you like have a scene where like, why are we the only ones that could see it? And then in the very next shot, it's like, by the way, I'm going to abduct your wife who definitely hasn't ever seen it. Also, we're going to get the security guard too because we got to get Henry out of here somehow. Like it just doesn't make sense. So I'm going to knock it for that at least. I'll give it a 7.75. Rude. Don't give me that look. I saw that look you gave me. I think it's it's a worthwhile criticism, honestly. You set these rules, you're going to fucking play by it. If you need to adapt it, if you need to make that change in the book, Nightmares in the movie. Nightmares don't have rules, Travis. This isn't a nightmare. This is it reality. Is, it literally is a nightmare. But it's, re- it's playing out in reality. incarnate. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. It's like he doesn't have to play by reality rules. He plays by nightmare rules, which is no rules. It's fucking Freddy Krueger, man. So he can show himself to anybody if he wants to. Yeah. Whatever, it's not Whatever. very Whatever, our average went down, so congratulations. Well, I mean, I think it's a worthwhile criticism. Um, Talia gives us a 10. Yeah. She was fucking terrified of this movie. She was 
like watching it ears back anytime it cut to the menu screen which was a lot because this is a multi-part movie uh the music scared the shit out of her oh god yeah and then also because we were expecting our nephews to come in we thought they would really enjoy the clown on our front porch so we made sure we turned that on for them and uh it kept getting triggered by the squirrels in the yard Mm -hmm. and that oh my god that got her started so she was barking so much yeah it scared the shit out of her she was really spooked from this movie this is a 10 out of 10 for plus her. penny west turns into a dog yeah which is also really scary yeah a dog doesn't die a dog does the killing yeah exactly <laughs> um zoe didn't watch this are you sure i thought she, she was no too. she was in the kitchen oh wow okay yeah she was in the kitchen pretty much the whole time well she knows that she doesn't fuck with clowns <laughs> okay um so who did you relate to? Um, I probably, mm, probably relate to Eddie because I tend to use humor as like a defense mechanism. Eddie or not or Richie? Eddie, Richie. Okay. Yeah, relate to Richie because I tend to I thought you were going to relate to Eddie because of the inhaler. <laughs> Mine's real. Yeah. Mine's or is albu- it? Mine's albuterol. It makes mm. me shaky when I use it. So you think? No, it <laughs> legitimately makes you shaky. <laughs> Living nightmare, Jesse. Doesn't have to play by the rules. <laughs> okay. Who'd you relate to? There's a couple people. Um, there are ways that I relate to Richie because I um I relate to like him coming to his hometown and being disappointed with the changes. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> oh, shit, you fucking closed down the Paramount. You know, like that. I feel that a lot. Um, I relate to Ben with like being a really fat child and, you know, eventually losing the weight. Um, I didn't get punched by my coach, though. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm somewhere in between those two right there. I, I relate to both of those a lot. OK. Um. OK. Dream sequel. Would you think that he would ever do a sequel to it? because he's done sequels to like you know the shining and stuff like that like aren't all of his movies are kind of connected in the same universe right dairy i've I've read that dairy is mentioned in other books of his. i would say because there's kind of an allusion to other creatures like that existing so maybe another one finds another weak spot somewhere and say like the losers club is called back to or like you know bev and ben's child Okay. Is impacted by it somehow, some way. I don't want their child to die because that's just like, but maybe the child like s- sees stuff the way they did when they were kids. I I think it would be cool because like they are successful, mm-hmm. but I want their success to be corrupted. Like they have Ooh. that for a minute, but because they're products of dairy, that it all kind of just like caves in on itself eventually, and then like. Because of that, they realize that there's something that they have to confront to, you know, get it back. Okay. And maybe that's what makes them start believing their child. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm Because I was going to say there needs to be something that, like, because at first they wouldn't believe it Mm -hmm. because they they don't remember any of it. But now they're not successful anymore. Like, well, shit. It's definitely (laughs) something. It's way easier to believe that it's a mystical force rather than we're just, you know, not as talented as we think we are. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, we have our tagline. 
Uh, master of PP bed or something like that. Ma- yeah, master of PP beds. Or yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Go back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah, we said it then. It. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it'll be on the <laughs> cover art too. Uh, okay, so time for internet reviews. So that's you. I pulled a um, like a critic review okay. from Entertainment. This was reviewed. This is reviewed like uh, after the new one came out. I think it was uh, 2022. Okay. Whenever I saw this. So this person says, the chief problem faced by director Tommy Lee Wallace is that King's book takes too long getting the grown-ups back together. We have to see what every character is doing for a living and what his or her it-inspired neuroses are. This is tedious in both the novel and the miniseries. Once the adults are assembled, though, it features a high level of ensemble acting rare for any horror film. Will you be scared? Maybe. And I certainly wouldn't let my young children behold such sights as the severed talking head in a refrigerator or the gooey eyeballs falling out of fortune cookies. I have enough trouble getting my kids to eat Chinese food. Of course, eyeballs and fortune cookies are also very funny. The saving grace for Stephen King's or for Stephen King, is that he's not a solemn H.P. Lovecrafty kind of horror writer. He has a sense of humor. In addition to its slow pace, I found the ending a big letdown. Unimaginative special effects animate the monster in its final incarnation, but the cast is terrific, Curry's cackle is chilling, and King's usual buried theme about the pain adults inflict on children without even realizing it is always worth pondering. Look, I get it. This is a long movie. It's a slow burn. It's a long book. It's also a slow burn. Mm-hmm. A huge piece of it is how important those core seven are. They are the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah, there's a lot to explore with how creepy Pennywise is. And if that's the type of movie you want, that's not the type of movie you're going to get with this because that's ultimately not the story that's being told. Yeah, there's a lot there with it. And you do need to build a lot of those characters up for it to have any impact because it hinges entirely on them. And it does, honestly, like it's a miniseries. It does feel kind of like the way you would feel watching a TV show. Like I'm intrigued. Like it's I can tell that they're pacing it more with the thought of this being a two episode arc. Yeah, definitely. You feel that pacing. It's different than it is with a movie. And I think that's evident when you see the remake. Um, it's just, you know, I I like it. I can get how some people would want it to be a little bit more fast-paced, but I'm also a person, I like the very character-driven movies. Yeah, I do too. I don't necessarily have a problem with the pacing in this. I think that mm-hmm. it does a good job with it, all things considered. Um, I think it would be interesting to see this thing play out in like an eight-part series like they originally played. God, I would love that. Yeah, because I think that would definitely help a lot of people with the pacing issues. Like you could have whole episodes dedicated to encounters with it. You don't have to like rush certain aspects or like linger on other ones longer because you felt like one thing needed more time than like another thing because, you know, there are things that are like really fleshed out in this movie and then there are things that are like kind of like rushed. And once studios want to pay writers and actors what they're worth, maybe someday we can get that. Maybe, maybe. Okay, let's go over to some listener reviews. Okay. So uh, we got two. Okay. They're both from Twitter. First one is from Aquili Boobs, who says, How it managed to terrify so many of us with so little gore is quite the achievement. 
Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise was one of one for the ages. Timeless in that it's still creepy as fuck after all these years. I absolutely agree. And I think it's one of those things that sometimes, it, and no offense to the people, you know, like the critic review that you read that want more of that gore. Because mm-hmm. uh, it is, I, I mean, you know, I love effects and stuff, but that's not what makes something scary. Yeah. It It's not. And if that's what you feel like you need, I mean, that's fine, but... You know, you can't say that's the only way something can be scary. Yeah, I think it can like it can be a tool to like help. Mm-hmm. But with this right here, I think that they had to get creative and make things creepy exactly. rather than rely on that stuff. Exactly. Which really I think benefits it in the long run. If you want the gory stuff, you can get that in the remake for sure. <clears throat> but uh yeah, this one definitely lingers like it it builds on the fear, like the dread, which I really appreciate that. I don't have to have things be super gory. I appreciate that, but I appreciate like actually building fear better. Uh, okay, and the final review, Tyler. Tim Curry is terrifying here. It's an excellent performance that is horror history for sure. This is the true start of my slight fear of clowns for me. Also, love that the girl that gets snatched in the sheets is blonde tanned, tanning bed girl from Final Destination. What? That is not. That is not. Dude, dude, you're dropping some info here. More fun facts. Hold on, let's find out. Is that Ashley or Ashlyn? <clears throat> I don't know, but I think it's funny also that it's like parallel with the other girl that Tyler is a big fan of from Yeah, uh, Wrong Turn and Aunt Black Kate Christmas. Yeah, yeah. What's her name? Then? Hold on, let me. I'm pulling it up. Okay, so she's Chalen Chalen Simmons. Is that her the actor's name? Yeah. Okay, I found her here. Okay, she's also in Tucker and Dell. Yeah, I remember that. We never scrolled back to 1990 on her filmography. No, we did not. I've got. Oh, she is. <gasps> it's her. What? Orianne Winterbarger. Barger? Wow. Thank you for that information. Yeah, Taylor. that's cool. Wow. Damn. We just watched that the other day, too. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, Pennywise, it's a great performance. Um, I think that this was also one of the movies that really got me interested in clowns as a kid because I watched <laughs> this at such a young age that it kind of influenced my interest in that stuff. Um, I am now obsessed with clowns as horror movie villains, and Tim Curry is hard to beat. Art the Clown, though, doing a good job. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's it. All right. That's all of our reviews. And that's it for this week's episode, everybody. Thank you guys for being here for this one. Um, next, next week, we have Saw 2. Saw 2, and we should be having our guest, our friend Steve with the Decision Reel, coming on to join us with that one. You can watch this a lot of places. Right now, it's on Peacock, Stars, Amazon Prime, YouTube Primetime, Hulu Premium, Sling TV Premium, YouTube TV Premium, Philo Premium, or you can rent it from Google Play, Redbox, or Voodoo. I feel like it's got to be on Pluto because we watched it on Pluto recently also. Like, they have all of them on there usually. Um, Yeah, watch it. That's a good Saw movie. I'm excited to get back into the Saws. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, um, so that's it for this one. Thanks again for being here, guys. Um, if you want to find us in the meantime, though, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Least Faith Pod, 
Instagram and threads, Least Favorite Scary Movie Podcast, uh, Facebook, What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie. We are on Blueski, Least Favorite Pod on there as well. And um, thank you guys to our, uh, we want to give a shout out to our patrons. Thank you guys for supporting the show. We have Eric and VV of Shaken Not Scared, Joe, as is his full name, Amber, and Michael. Thank you guys so much. Yes, we really appreciate the support that you guys have. Uh, if you cannot or unable to do so through Patreon, you can support us by liking, uh, sharing, reviewing our podcast. It does a lot to help boost us and uh, does great things for us. We we really appreciate seeing that stuff from you guys. So um, we'll catch you guys next week with Saw 2. And... We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Okay. Sorry, I had a burp too. Oh, thank you. You can edit that out. No, but that's Um, going in the outtakes, bud. (laughs)